Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. All righty. Well, hey, before we get uh, going, just uh, one thing. I was handed uh, a note. Uh, apparently, there was a bad accident last night on 104, and uh, Megan and, and Cadence Poole are at, uh, in critical condition at Cabell Huntington. So if you could just keep them in your prayers. Uh, just, in fact, let's just take 10 seconds. We'll do that right now. One, two. Heavenly Father, we pray for the pools. They've been, you know, they've been in a horrible accident and just, we just ask that you'll be with the doctors and that you will heal them and, and, uh, bring them out of that hospital, uh, just closer to you, but also in good shape. We pray for all those involved in the accident. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, the forgotten God, um, we're going to be talking about what seems like a really abstract doctrine, the Trinity and the Holy Spirit, but I, I want you to stick with me here because I promise you that even if you're not a Christian, this sermon will have some uh, applicability to your life. And by the way, if you're a newcomer here at Christ Community Church, we've had lots of newcomers over the last um, few months, um, just know that we're going to get you out of here uh, by 11. 11.45. So by 11.45, we'll get you out of here so you can beat the Baptist to Bob Evans or whatever. Um, we will be sure to, to, to do that. Um, now, when it comes to the Trinity, this is the doctrine in the Bible that teaches that God is Father, Son, and Spirit. That's all over the New Testament. You go to Matthew 28, 19, you see Jesus stated, you see the baptism of Jesus. Jesus is there getting baptized. The Father is speaking. The Spirit is descending. But and when you talk to atheists or Muslims, they got, look, with all due respect to you Christians, um, that doesn't make any sense. It's basic math. You can't say that God is three and one. Three is three and one is one. And I've struggled with this, and people like to, you know, try to come up with ways to describe the Trinity, and that's really tough anyway because really what can you compare in day-to-day -day life to God, Right? There's only one God, and there's, there's nothing else like God. The, the closest I can come up with it is this. Have you ever seen conjoined twins? You seen conjoined twins? Throw out that image up there from the movie Stuck on You, right? There's, now, let me ask you this. Are conjoined twins two or one? Yes. Right? It's both. They're two and they're one. And this is what the Trinity is. They're all connected in this divine way, and yet they are three persons. And it's easy to get your head wrapped around the Father. It's easy to get your head wrapped around the Son because you, you know, Jesus is presented in the New Testament. The Father is, is in both Testaments. You see it. But what about the Spirit? Well, the Bible states that, number one, the Holy Spirit is God and has all the attributes of divinity. The Spirit is totally different. It has its own personality. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit has emotions. That, uh, Ephesians 4.30 says you can grieve the Holy Spirit. The Spirit has a will. The Bible says the Spirit prays for us and helps us pray. Now, the problem with all of this is the moment you get into the Holy Spirit... People begin, if they had any exposure to church life, they're like, oh boy. You know, here comes the tongues and the dancing and the praise flags and all that kind of stuff. And no, 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 no. 
See, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit is that the problem with the Holy Spirit is in churches, we have done one of two things. We've either totally ignored teaching on the Holy Spirit because we're afraid of where that'll go, or we've abused the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. That's why you get so much silliness. For example, now, it wouldn't be one of my sermons unless I tick some of you off, so here it comes. There is teaching in a lot of churches by well-meaning people. This is not an attack because they are well-meaning. A lot of them just don't know any better. That in order to be a Christian, you must be baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. That is not taught anywhere in the Bible. That is not true. Absolutely, positively not true. When the Bible talks about the Spirit coming above you, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, all that kind of stuff, it's always to bring glory and honor to God and to advance the good news of Jesus Christ. Always. Always. And when it comes to speaking in tongues, the Bible is very clear. A lot of Bible scholars will tell you that speaking in tongues is nothing more than speaking in foreign languages that you don't know to someone else in their language so that they can hear the good news of Jesus Christ. A lot of people say that's what speaking in tongues is. That's certainly what it is in the book of Acts when you go to Pentecost. But even if, that, if they're wrong, let's say that speaking in tongues, the Bible is very clear that in speaking in tongues, one, it has to be orderly. You cannot disrupt the service. The Apostle Paul is very clear on that. And two, he says that you're not to speak in tongues unless there's an interpreter there. So if you do not have an interpreter, that means that no matter what you're saying, it's not from God. You're just showing off. And this is what you have to understand. All Christian doctrine points to God. All solid biblical doctrine points to God and brings glory and honor to God. It does not ever bring attention to the individual. It's always to bring glory and honor to God. If it's bringing glory and honor to a human being, it's not from God. All right, now I've ticked some of you off. Let's see if I can tick some more off. Here we go. If you go on TV, and I don't watch a lot of Christian TV because it just irritates me. And I get irritated enough driving through New Boston. I don't need to be irritated when I'm on my couch watching TV. And so you see these preachers in $3,000 suits begging for money with Rolex watches and claiming they have these miraculous gifts. Now, I do not doubt that, that God can give people miraculous gifts, but again, if those gifts are not done in a way to honor God, it's not a gift, it's a fraud. If it's bringing attention to that preacher and making that preacher wealthy, and I don't have anything against preachers having money, I'm one, if I win the lottery, I'm not going to be driving a Honda Accord anymore. I'm not against that, but I'm real suspicious of people getting wealthy off of what should be ties to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to go ahead and pick on one. You guys are going to get some of you get mad. You shouldn't pick on a, on a preacher or whatever. Too bad. Because the Apostle Paul calls people out. The Bible calls people out. That is not unbiblical to say, hey, you're wrong, buddy. How many of you know who Benny Hinn is? See him? Throw his picture up there. So there he is. Okay, first of all, why does he dress like a villain from a James Bond movie? I'm not sure. He looks like he's got a layer in a volcano somewhere. 
But here's the deal. He goes around and claims to heal people. And he charges money to do it. And he's grown very wealthy off of doing that. Last time I was in Southern California, I was on the beach. I looked up right next to the Ritz-Carlton, which is a five-star hotel. Right on the Pacific Ocean is this huge mansion. And so I asked the guy working for Ritz-Carlton, I said, who lives there? He said, Benny Hinn. Hmm. Now, here's, here's the deal. I will believe Benny Hinn absolutely positively has the miraculous gift of healing from God when he does it for free. When he starts going into children's burn units and healing children for free, I'll listen. When he's charging $85 a pop, shut up. All right, so that being said, we've talked about what the Trinity is. We've talked about the Holy Spirit as a person and as God. And we've talked about this. What does this have to do with you day to day? Well, here's the deal. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, Jesus says that he's going to send another counselor. When he ascends to heaven, which he does, he is sending another counselor. Now, there are two Greek words that can be translated another. One is heteros, which means another one different from me. The other Greek word is alos, which means another one just like me. Jesus uses the word alos. He said, I am sending another one just like me. Now, what the Bible teaches is, that when you repent, and that's a fancy word for you basically doing this. Here is evil and sin. Here is God. I am turning from an evil way of life. I am turning to God. That's all repent means. When you repent and you come to faith in Jesus Christ, which means, and what does that mean? Faith in Jesus Christ means I believe Jesus Christ is the only way to God. I believe he is God. I believe he died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. He rose three days later, and he ascended to heaven. He will return. And I believe that, and I trust in that, and I am loyal to him as my king. That's what repent and have faith in Jesus Christ is. And then, then he says you should be baptized. Baptism is a public declaration for other people that I'm in. This is who I am. This is who I'm going to be. And the Bible says when you do that, you receive the Holy Spirit. God comes to dwell within you. Now, would your life be different if Jesus Christ in the flesh was walking beside you all the time? A little bit? Guess what? He's already there. The Holy Spirit is another one just like Jesus, and he's there. We have this weird view of God, and I especially see this when people pray, that God is some kind of old man, old-fashioned, easily offended, never heard a four-letter word, has never seen anything bad happen, and when he does, he puts his finger in his face and says, bad, bad, bad. That is not who God is. God sees everything. God sees every crime, every accident, every... God saw what happened, the evil that happened in France and in Dallas. He saw it. You can't shock God. So quit treating God when you pray to him, when you talk to him. Like he's just this fragile old man with tender ears. He can take it. He sees everything. 
He's there. Always there. The Spirit is there. And if you're a Christian, He's actually within you. Okay. Now, again, you're saying, okay, God's with me all the time. I get it. What else? All right. Now, I'm going to do what appears to be a left turn here, but it's not. Hopefully, I'm going to bring it all around here in a few minutes, okay? One of the most powerful, invisible objects in our lives is habit. Habit. Habits are created, and they've studied this. They show how things are created, how we come to develop habits. Habits are so powerful that once we develop a habit, a habit can be developed if you do it somewhere between 60 times to 10,000 times. Athletes try to do it about 10,000 times, so they do what they should do without even thinking. That's a habit. You do things all the time you don't think about. Do you think about before you flip the light switch on, or you just flip the light switch on? Do you think about left, right, left, right, or do you just do it? It's a habit. You develop a habit, right? Now, Habits are so powerful that experts say you actually cannot get rid of a habit, you just can replace it. So if you have a bad habit, you can replace it with a good habit, but you can't totally get rid of the habit. They're that powerful. For example, here's a bad habit that 99.9% .9 of all men have. My son recently turned 13 years old, which means his hormones are about to explode if they haven't already. And I get worried about it. His grandmother gets worried about it. My mom asked him, said, Jackson, do you have a girlfriend? He said, no, Grandma. He said, well, how do the girls treat you? He said, Grandma, it's like they're bears and I'm covered in meat. <laughs> Lord, help me. Um, and what happens... When those hormones start to explode as a young man, as you begin to notice girls, and you begin to look at girls, sometimes for a long time to where it's creepy, right? Here's what happens. A guy stands here, a good-looking girl goes behind him. Almost every guy will want to do this. It's called shoulder surfing. And it doesn't matter. This habit is developed in boys because they do it at least 60 times when they're 13. So they develop this habit, and guys develop this habit to the point where you can be there with your wife holding your first baby, and if a good-looking nurse goes, they go, oh, honey, it's just so beautiful. <laughs> right, guys, you can't get rid of that habit, but you can replace it with something else, so work on it. Because if you don't work on it, you're going to get in trouble or die. Habits are powerful. Now, they say the keys to habit are this. The first thing that starts a habit is a cue. It's something that piques our senses. It can be emotional. It can be, it can be I'm hungry. It could be smelling something. How many of you drive through Portsmouth and spell, smell Burger King a mile away? I swear I think they pump that smell of French fries out into the streets. So you're driving by, it can be visual. You're driving and you see the golden arches. And you think French fries. And the next thing you know, the next thing that happens, you have the cue, then you have the routine, you have the action. So then you drive through McDonald's. 
and you get the french fries. And french fries, McDonald's actually has designed their french fry so it begins to melt on your tongue the moment you place it on there. They actually design them so just with the right amount of salt and grease that that begins to melt on your tongue the moment you put it on there. So there is the cue. There is the action. Then there is the reward. The reward is french fries. And McDonald's french fries are awesome. Right? I've had to change my eating habits. And people ask me, how's it going? It stinks. I love french fries. I love bacon cheeseburgers. I love pizza. If they come up with zero-calorie pizza that tastes good, I will eat pizza three meals a day. I'm telling you, that stuff is served in the buffet in heaven. <laughs> so you get the reward, and then what happens is the fourth step to a habit is then you have a craving. Once you have McDonald's french fries, you want McDonald's french fries again, don't you? If not, something's wrong with you. Now, you can replace that habit with something else, but it's hard. Because if you're sitting there going, no, Matt, I don't need french fries. I need, I, I, I'm fine with kale chips. You're a weirdo. There is something wrong with you. So you have these habits we develop in life. And, and, and in fact, how many of you, this is so powerful, how many of you have heard of, know who Tony Dungy is? Tony Dungy, anybody? Throw a picture up there, see if that rings a bell for the rest of you. Right? Former coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Annapolis Colts. When Tony Dungy took over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they were one of the worst teams in football. If you remember the mid-90s, Tampa Bay was always like 4-12, and 12, you know, 3-13. and 13. They were awful. And when he took them over, he took a playbook about that thick, threw it out, took a playbook about that thick, really simple. And what he did was he began to drill his players to develop certain habits so that they wouldn't even have to think, and their reaction would give them a couple seconds head start on the opposition. And so, for example, if you've ever watched a football game, and if you haven't, again, were you a communist? If you've ever watched a football game, you'll see the defensive backs and the linebackers, they're doing this. They're sitting there, they're watching the offense, they're doing, constantly doing this. They're looking everywhere. What's, what's that lineman doing? Where, where's he going? Where is it? Tony Dungy said, stop that. Stop it. You're a defensive back, you're covering a certain receiver, you're watching him. Then you'll look at the quarterback, then you'll look back at the receiver, then you'll look back at the quarterback. He had them methodically focus just on a couple people, not the entire offensive line, not every running back, not every receiver, just focus and get set. And he developed these habits. He said, if I can develop this habit, I can turn the team around. He did that with Tampa Bay, took them from... 4-12 and 12 to the playoffs in three years. Then he went to Indianapolis. And so he took a, a defensive back like Marlon Jackson and he said, look at your receiver, look at the quarterback. Look at your receiver, look at the quarterback. And these habits were hard to develop. The Colts lost a lot of playoff games because when they'd get under pressure, they'd revert back to old habits and start doing all this stuff again. And so we had to drill them hard. No, receiver, quarterback, receiver, quarterback. So eventually, this happened. Roll the video. Intercepted. Colts are going to the Super Bowl. Marlon Jackson 
Oh, isn't it good to see Tom Brady get intercepted? I'm not even a coach Warren fan, Jackson, but anytime Tom Brady has a bad game, I've had a good day. And he did sneak a peek at the big... Oh, man, that happened. Marlon Jackson will tell you that happened because he followed the habits. He developed a habit that Tony Dungy taught him. Okay. It takes 60 to 10,000 times to truly develop a habit. Now, what does that have to do with anything? Take another left turn for a second. Uh, this past week, I finished a wonderful book called The Heavenly Man about Brother Yoon. Brother Yoon was, if you can show, throw a picture up there of him, uh, Brother Yoon was an underground Chinese pastor, not well-educated. In fact, he went through basically what we would call the third grade. He became a Christian, began planting underground house churches. The Chinese government was constantly on his tail. Finally threw him in prison. He, th he year lived years in prison. At one point, because they couldn't break him, they put him in a jail cell about four foot by three foot by three foot. And so he is in this jail cell, this little teeny tiny jail cell, knees up to his chin. And you know what he did? You know what he prayed for? A Bible. He prayed for a Bible so that he could read the Bible aloud to the other prisoners around him. And then one day after months, a security guard who was sympathetic dropped a Bible in his cell. He didn't complain. He preached. He preached the other prisoners. He preached the guards. He didn't, he didn't, he, now, if that had been me, you know what I'd have been praying for? Leg room. Get me out of this box. He's praying for, he's saying, God has put me here for a reason. There are people around me I can preach to them. Somebody get me a Bible. Even though he had memorized the Gospel of Matthew and could recite it from the top of his head. First time he preached, he recited the Gospel of Matthew off the top of his head. Because he didn't know how else to preach. He'd never been to seminary or Bible college. He didn't know. Now, we hear stories like that. And he eventually escaped China, and now he's in Germany leading a, a ministry called Back to Jerusalem. And you read this story and you think, oh my gosh, this, must, this guy must be a super, he must be superhuman. No. He expresses his doubts, his struggles, all that kind of stuff. But what I noticed reading that book because I was reading about habit at the same time was what made Brother Yoon so powerful was that he had habits, daily habits, memorizing scripture, prayer, worship. He did these every day, memorizing huge sections of the book of Acts. And because he developed these habits, that's why he was able to do what he did. See, if we call these things prayer, the study of Scripture, worship, giving, bringing other people to Jesus Christ, sharing the good news, inviting them to church. We call these spiritual disciplines. But when spiritual disciplines become daily habits, Christ followers become spirit-filled warriors. If you want to grow, if you want to live a life that matters, if you want to continue to help us build this church up, we, we need this church to be about 2,000 people so that we can truly impact the community, bring a lot of people to Christ, 
help crush the drug addiction around us, help heal families. To do that, according to the studies, we need to be about 2,000. And what I'm telling you is that if you struggle with inviting people to church, if you struggle in your life at all, if you struggle with doubt, if you struggle with sin, if you struggle with what I'm telling you to do is to create holy daily habits. And once you develop those habits, they will become reading scripture, praying for others, inviting people to church, giving to those in need, will just come out of you as easy as breathing. You have to, the Holy Spirit is within you. You've got to give it room to work. Brother Yoon was not an extraordinary individual. He was an ordinary individual with an extraordinary God working through him. No different than any of us. We can become instruments of God's redemption if we just give him the room to work. So you have to develop this habit. You have to have the cue. How do you have the cue? This is what I do. What I do is I take my Bible and I put it either in the middle of my coffee table or in the middle of my desk. So that either as soon as I sit down in the morning or as soon as I get to work in the morning, I open my Bible and I begin to read. And then right after I'm done reading, I pray. And I always take time to thank God for what I have. We spend so much time bellyaching to God and so little time thanking Him for what we have. And if you read a book like The Heavenly Man and you see how the Chinese people are persecuted and Christians are over there starving despite the fact that China is wealthy, and you know how good we really have it. We are blessed beyond measure and we need to spend time thanking God for what he has done and then we pray we pray for people like the pools who have been in this accident we pray for those who don't know not yet know Jesus Christ and how we can get them to church and pray that the gospel is really just sinks into them and they come they repent and they come to faith we pray for the world we pray for our leaders whether you like them or not I pray for both presidential candidates I don't like either one of them but I pray for them and so we pray this, and then, then when we're done, if we do this every day, and then when you get in your car, what do you usually do? Click on the radio. Why? Complete waste of time. They haven't made any good music since the 80s anyway. After Guns N' Roses broke up, it all went downhill. Um, So take that time. What I do is I, I, I download podcasts, I, sermons and, and lessons and all this other kind of stuff, and I spend that time trying to learn and grow and get here early to church so that you can come in here and sing and worship. You need to worship. You need to get out of yourself. The reason we're so selfish is we spend 24-7 with ourselves. And so we only think about ourselves. You need to come here and worship God on his throne and realize when you're singing, it's not about whether they pick the song you like or whatever. It's about singing praise to God on his throne. If you do these things, get here early because otherwise donuts going to run out anyway. So you got to get you got so you get here, you get your donut, then you get in here and you worship. You put your Bible somewhere where you know you're going to be. You open that thing up and you read at least a chapter a day or more. You pray, you spend your time in the car learning, worshiping. 
You do all of those things and you give. If you're in debt, get out of debt so that you can give. If you're not in debt, give. And you do all these things. And I promise you, I promise you, serving God will be as easy as doing this. You develop that habit for the Spirit to work. And the Spirit will work. It's as simple as the old hymn. How many of you remember Trust and Obey? You remember that old hymn? It's that simple. If you trust God, develop these habits, trust that God will work through you, obey God by doing these things. If it doesn't mean that you're something special, none of us are. I've said it once, I'll say it again. In the universe, there are only two tiers, Jesus Christ and everybody else. But Jesus Christ is extraordinary. The Father is extraordinary. The Spirit is extraordinary. And as long as you're giving glory to God, you're doing things that honor and glorify God, the Spirit will work if you just trust and obey. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we spend so much of our time doing things that don't really matter. We waste time. We develop unhealthy habits. What I pray for myself and everyone here is that we give time to you, devote time to you, put you on our calendar and see if anything is important enough to knock it off. And we serve you. We read scripture. We pray. We worship. We give. We invite. We share. That if we do these every day, that after 60 times, 90 times, it will become a habit for all of us. And if everyone here developed those habits, we pray that you would then work through us for another awakening, for an end to the drug problem, the crime problem, to heal this area for your honor and your glory. May we do this so that you do something so magnificent everyone knows that couldn't have been Christ Community Church, that couldn't have been any church, that had to be God. If we'll just trust and obey. Amen.
Christ Community Church. Uh, I'm going to let you out a little early. Nobody say amen. Um, the kids may not be ready yet. They may still be doing some activities. So if you've got some kids back there, you may have to wait uh, a few moments. But the rest of you, we're going to dismiss you. But I just pray that, you know, there, is a, there used to be a pastor down at um, Duke University. I'm shocked that there was a pastor at Duke University, but since it's evil basketball program. But anyway, there was a pastor at Duke University Chapel. And every time people would come up to him and say, good sermon, he'd say, we'll see. And that's how it is. I can sit up here and do all this stuff, but unless you put this into action, unless you truly develop these habits, unless you say, okay, tomorrow morning I'm going to wake up and I'm going to read scripture and I'm going to pray and I'm going to download some sermons or lessons or whatever to listen to while I'm, while I'm driving around, unless you do those things, change won't happen. The definition of crazy is to continue to do the same thing and expect a different result. It's time that we all develop the habit of trusting the Spirit and letting the Spirit work through us. And then when it happens, don't look for attention yourself, but praise God that He has used you in a powerful way. Amen. Christ Community Church, if you're a first-time visitor, please stop by our first-time visitor's table. We have a gift for you. Um, and by the way, keep doing what you're doing. We've got, we're about to add, if you look back there, we added a num number last week. We had a baptism last Saturday night. We got four more people online to be baptized soon. So that number's going to jump up to 31. And so you guys are doing a great, great job. That's not us. That's you. You guys are, you guys are, you are doing it with the work of the Holy Spirit. You're already seeing that. So can just continue to do that. God bless you. God go with you. Please be generous with the less fortunate as you go. Have a great day, guys.